beautiful soul family and welcome to the walk on podcast the podcast where i try to demystify spirituality personal growth and healing and whatever else i feel like talking about i'm your host Britt cannon and this week we're talking about real love baby (laughs) um this is titled after a song by father john misty which is about like being in real romantic love, that kind of like can't stop thinking about someone, can't eat, can't sleep, um, can't get the smile off your face kind of love. But of course, I never just talk about anything on that level. Um, I also mean real love in the sense of reciprocal relationships, um, getting past that codependency, I need you type of energy, and getting into that kind of wide open freedom that comes from self-love, that comes from healthy boundaries, that comes from authenticity, um, and the kind of love that just allows you to be exactly who you are in each moment, but also encourages you to become the best version of yourself. Um, But before we get into it, you know, we got to start with a little guided meditation. Um, And this time, I think I want to just give you a little mantra um, instead of getting deep into the inner child stuff like we usually do. We're just going to repeat a little mantra to ourselves. But first, we're going to start with some deep belly breathing. It's been a while since we've met, so I'll just remind you that we're breathing in through our nose and trying to expand our belly down and out, our ribs out to the sides, and breathe all the way into our backs. You want the inhale to be nice and long and smooth and even, and then you want to hold it for a second, and then as you release, the exhale is going to be out through your mouth as if you're breathing through a straw in one long stream of air, and the exhale should be longer than the inhale, twice as long if you can manage. But if not, don't stress too much about it. We're just trying to center ourselves, to leave the energy that we've picked up and carried with us throughout the day outside, and just to sort of convene with ourselves in silence, in presence, and in peace. So at your own pace, just go ahead and breathe. As you exhale, just try to feel the tingles that happen as your body relaxes. Now I want you to picture that we're at the top of some creaky old wooden stairs. And as you breathe more deeply each time, you're just going to imagine yourself barefoot stepping down the stairs one at a time feel how the wood feels beneath your feet 
maybe try to imagine the way the steps give as you put your weight on them. Imagine what kind of sounds they make. We're going to approach the bottom. And after the very last step, when we step down onto the earth, we're going to step onto a bed of moss. Just imagine the dampness between your or beneath your feet, the way that it squishes underneath you. Feel how it's kind of cold. Just imagine growing roots out of your feet and kind of melding with the moss. Maybe move your toes around. And as we stand here, just imagine a stream of light coming down, first going over your crown chakra over the top of your head, and then feel it kind of melt down your third eye, down your throat, down your heart, down your solar plexus, down your root, down your sacral, all the way down your legs, all the way down your toes, and into that bed of moss. And just relax into that space. And then I just want you to think, repeat in your mind, I release anything that is out of alignment with love. I release anything that is out of alignment with love. I release anything that is out of alignment with love. I receive love in abundance. I receive love in abundance. I receive love in abundance. And then seal it with gratitude. Think of all the ways that you receive love every day. The people who make you feel loved. The ways that you love yourself. And the ways that you show love to others. Take one last big breath. Let it out and just relax. So, one of the ways that I have been shown love is through doing this podcast. Every once in a while, it's always inevitably when I'm feeling some self-doubt or feeling like, why am I wasting my time or feeling like I'm not doing well enough, um, someone reaches out and will usually bring me like a past episode of the podcast and be like... I just listened to your Inner Child podcast, or I just listened to your Ride the Dragon podcast, and I just want to tell you how much it touched me, and I just want to, and they always give me an example in their lives of, like, how they needed it at the time, or the way that it affected them, and I don't know, I, I know a lot of people who listen to this are creative people, and I think sometimes that's, like, the best reward for being creative, or it's the best, like, confirmation that you're doing a good job or that you're you know you're just 
fulfilling your purpose. I think ultimately all creative people kind of want to serve, you know, we just want to leave a lasting mark on this earth in a positive way. I don't think anyone creates art out of like purely selfish motives, you know, there's always this drive to spread a little love or um, help people get in touch with their emotions or whatever it might be, you know, and when you just get reflected back to you that you're doing a good job of that or that people are resonating like that is the best feeling (laughs) um so that's what I thought of when I was thinking of the ways that I'm shown love um as most of you know this podcast was inspired by um the concept of walking on of leaving behind anything that stunts your growth, that uh, tries to limit who you are, that doesn't treat you right or doesn't serve you or even just things you've outgrown, old versions of yourself even. It's just about having the courage and the self-love and the willingness to be alone, which is very scary, um, in service of, of, like, of yourself, of your greatest version. And in the beginning phases of that, it can be quite scary because a lot of us carry these deep wounds around rejection and abandonment. We're all sort of searching for connection um, outside of us. And we do need that. We're social creatures. We thrive in relationship. Um, And we're not meant to exist as islands, you know, as alone. But in the early stages of this kind of spiritual process, there is a lot of loneliness. There is a lot of leaving things behind without anything new coming in for a while. And there is a lot of testing that the universe puts you through. I have found that every time I decide something, you know, every time I'm like, I'm no longer going to put up with this, then the universe brings me like three different versions of that in a row to be like, are you sure you're done with it? Are you sure you're done with it? Are you really sure you're done with it? And, um, you know, sometimes I slip and I backslide into, I don't know if I'm done with this, like it is kind of fun or uh, it sometimes it feels good to make a bad choice for yourself or sometimes you just don't see that it's a repeat of the same lesson for a while, you know? And then when your eyes are open, you have to go through the same feelings of guilt and shame and like, I'm a failure, you know? But each time, the the walking away becomes easier and you're less scared. And once you've really learned how to love yourself in those moments of loneliness, you know, in those moments where you're kind of aching for companionship, it is kind of root of the universe how when you need love the most, you often don't get it. And then you get it in truckloads when you no longer need it anymore. It's such a fucking rude ass way of operating but unfortunately that seems to be the way it works and I think it's because in those moments of deep loneliness the universe is asking us or giving us an opportunity to give us whatever it is we're missing to give it to ourselves um 
like with rejection, that's been a big wound for me my whole life, like professionally, romantically, in friendships. I'm always getting rejected. Um, And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? This person didn't give me what I needed, so I'm going to give it to myself or like I'm going to do something nice for myself. And it started out with like taking myself to the movies or like going out to eat by myself or buying myself a little present. And then it became meditation or journaling or just like going out to the beach and screaming at the moon. <laughs> um, there was lots of ways that it ended up manifesting. And um, and then I just stopped taking rejection so personally and it just stopped having any hold on me. Um, and that is where like I found real freedom and real confidence to be myself because once you're not afraid of being rejected, you don't care who doesn't like the real version of you. So you stop pretending. And then, you know, you kind of realize that there's different levels of vibration or um, of like resonance or harmony. And just because two people don't vibe doesn't mean anyone has to like hate the other one it's just a just not meant to be you know you get a lot more relaxed in your interactions with people and a lot more relaxed in your own growth you stop resisting so much and the less resistance you have the easier everything becomes so then when you're presented with a challenging person or situation you're much more equipped to handle it because you're not so caught up in feelings of rejection and abandonment or feelings of clinging on to something that's not right for you just because you don't want to be alone but it doesn't just stop there it doesn't just stop at the like conquering loneliness in the sense of learning to take care of yourself in those moments this amazing thing starts happening where the love starts coming in um in my own sort of personal journey, I had this beautiful moment of realization of like being loved when I went and how love works, just love on all levels. When I went to North Carolina in October to my friend, my good friend Adair's wedding um, to her now husband, Nathan, and uh, I was a little nervous going back because I hadn't seen them in a while and um, also I was just like in a wedding party with people I didn't know and you never know if you're going to fit in or like, I don't know, it's just a lot. And, but of course I wasn't that worried because Adair is an amazing person and I trusted that everyone around her was also amazing. Um, but I was blown away. It was, Adair and Nathan, first of all, are like one of the most truly in love couples I've ever met. Like they just light up around each other and the whole weekend all the speeches were just like your soulmates like you're meant to be and like every time they talked about each other everyone was in tears and I had never really seen a wedding like that but it wasn't it was also everyone around them because they are such individual bright lights themselves on their individual journeys they have collected this group of people around them who are equally bright equally loving equally happy equally just like whatever that energy is they're all on the same frequency of just like joy um and it's infectious but then when they came together these groups melded and now it's this one giant 
family of just love and support and laughter and like I had never seen anything like it and much less been included you know (laughs) and it just I couldn't stop crying and that that's how everyone felt all weekend like none of us could stop crying we were all texting each other how much we loved each other and it was just overwhelming and it it kind of like inevitably when you have trauma around love or family or friendship or anything with these happy moments often comes these kind of sad realizations of like why have I never felt this before um why have I never seen an example of this before how why am I finding myself surprised that this kind of love actually exists you know these are heavy things to think it calls into question a lot and I had those moments too um but it it sort of planted a seed of an idea of like when you find your people this is what it feels like this is what it looks like this is what it can be and um so I got a little taste of it then and I carried it with me you know and I've been kind of living in it since also let me just shout out that I was loved so great because Adair and Nathan have well Adair's family is kind of woo-woo but Nathan's family is very conservative and very like Baptist and religious and Adair and Nathan went to everyone and told them I had the sense that they threatened people (laughs) told them you better respect our friend Brit's pronouns and just like everyone was on point no one messed it up no one made me feel weird I was just like I mean I was definitely sort of an alien like definitely uh, an outsider um down to my bright green weed socks that I accidentally wore to the wedding like getting ready party in the fancy hotel I'm walking around in these weed socks but (laughs) my own uh social issues aside everyone was so warm and inviting and understanding and um at the end Nathan and I had a beautiful moment where he thanked me for being like the first representation of queerness for a lot of his family members um and it was just yeah like wow (laughs) and um it's sort of because Adair and I have been friends for a long time it sort of made me think about how in my former life uh you know that's what I call the me before I had my spiritual awakening um in my codependent life in my constantly being re-traumatized by abuse life that maybe I was out of alignment with love myself and I didn't always notice who really loved me in fact I noticed this pattern in myself and this is like not just in romantic relationships this is with family this is with friends this is with like jobs this is uh, it's always like this with life like everything reflects everything else and I didn't know what love was because I had never been shown what love was and I thought that love and abuse I thought abuse was love and didn't know that love existed, honestly. I know I felt it, you know, but um, it was very, it was a very warped perception of how relationships should work. And I was under the impression that they should be hard and hurtful and that I should be required to bend over backwards in order to earn love. And then because I thought that, I accepted people into my life who were more than willing to take advantage of that drive in me. And 
um, you know, that was the before, but it was all my relationships. Everything was constantly like that. And I would even now looking back, I would not realize it at the time. At the time, I just thought like, oh, I like this person because they're more exciting or this person's more interesting or like we have more passion or whatever. But looking back, I was always rejecting someone who was trying to give me good love, real love for someone who was going to give me more of what I was used to. And this happened over and over and over again. Uh, Even at jobs, when I was presented with an opportunity that would, or in school, anything like that, like it was always my first reaction and second reaction and third reaction to gravitate more towards whatever would cause me the most harm or really whatever would um, uh, like confirm my childhood conditioning and programming. It was like whatever felt, that felt like home. I actually saw a meme that said when home wasn't a safe place, uh, it's hard to trust what feels like home. You know, like when you feel, find a relationship, a partner, and you're like, oh, they feel like home to me. It's like if your home wasn't a safe place, maybe that's not a good indicator that this is something you should explore, um, which is one of the hardest parts about trauma is trusting yourself, learning to trust yourself again. Um, so, as, so in this new phase of healing, because there's a spiral, you know, you constantly revisit what you thought you understood, which can be pretty annoying at times. But I feel like each time you revisit something, you get to see the, the love in it more than you see the pain in it. And that's what's been happening to me since October. It made me think Adair and I were really, really good friends. But for most of the beginning of our friendship, I was choosing this other kind of toxic friend over her um and we you know we we navigated through it because it's real it's the real love it's the kind that you work together to overcome these sort of hiccups um some relationships aren't strong enough to do that but uh I'm just seeing this pattern in myself over and over again so I started revisiting and re-exploring a lot of relationships from the past and um, time and again, I have found people who have always loved me for exactly who I was. I have a cousin who like has been my best friend since I was born. We're six weeks apart. We were in kindergarten together. Um, she's always been my best friend. And both of us would sort of run scared from our closeness. We would, we were definitely in it, you know, but there was this lack of trust because neither of us was in in alignment with love. Now, when we come together, we are completely open-hearted and completely honest and completely vulnerable with each other. And so our relationship has grown as we have both individually grown, right? We grew sort of apart sometimes and then back together and then a little apart and back together and now it's in this place where I th- it feels sort of um, untouchable because of everything we've gone through. But that was another one that I didn't cherish or didn't give the attention it needed. Or when it came time to like choose something else or that, I would choose the other thing. And um, that's one of the indicators of a strong relationship is you can be yourself, but also they see the best version of you. And not in a way that's like they're loving your potential and wishing you would change. It's in a way that 
they see the beautiful things in you that you can't even see. There's also a an element of forgiveness in these real love type of relationships where there might be bumps in the road. You know, we are all on our individual paths of growth and that path is a solitary path. We are born alone. We die alone. I talk about this all the time, but you can find people to kind of travel in parallel paths with you you know like I said it's almost like a DNA strand you might dance away from each other a bit but you always come back together and it seems like there's never any hard feelings and if you've ever dealt with anyone who's kind of manipulative or controlling there's a lot of guilt that exists in those relationships there's a lot of like oh I can't believe you haven't haven't called me in a while or like we haven't hung out in so long like I was worried we weren't friends anymore or just always these kind of like You know, um, you can feel when someone is trying to put that on you. I really believe that guilt is a made up emotion. Like guilt is not something that naturally occurs. You can have like remorse or regret. Um, You can feel the need to say sorry if you make a mistake. We all make mistakes. But guilt is such a yucky emotion. Like it's it's used as a means to control. Same thing with shame. Like we are naturally like, look at a kid. A kid is free. Like they get to be as weird as they want. If they want to dance down the street, they dance down the street. If they want to scream the itsy bitsy spider at the top of their lungs, they do it. And that's because they don't have any sense of shame. They're just are themselves. And at a certain point, usually in middle school, uh, that, that, individuality and freedom is stamped out of us in service of conformity and then we start feeling these feelings of shame you know and like I don't want to be weird I have to fit in I want everyone to like me so I have to act accordingly you know and then luckily in adulthood you start to relax a little bit more and give less of a fuck what people think but these high vibrational connections don't really require you to be anything other than exactly what you are. Um, That doesn't mean that we put up with each other's toxic sort of traits because another component or like characteristic of one of these high vibrational real love relationships is they call you on your shit. They are safe to lay boundaries with you and you are safe to lay boundaries with them. And... That's, I think, one of the most important parts because that's like an indicator of a healthy relationship. If you try to tell someone how you feel or tell them what you need and they reject that or they punish you for that, that's a pretty big red flag that maybe that isn't someone who's safe to be around. Um, but this... In a deep, real love connection, it's almost like your boundaries are celebrated. They might hurt, you know, it might be kind of awkward to be like, hey, I can't see you as many times a week as I thought I could because I need a lot more alone time. Like that's kind of, you know, the person's going to feel rejected. You know, you feel kind of shitty for needing to ask for that. But most people would be like, yeah, I totally understand. Thank you for being honest with me instead of ghosting me or like whatever other cowardly out we might take in those kind of situations. It's it's a space that's safe to express yourself honestly. Um, And that extends in many directions, like asking for help when you need it. 
this is a hard thing for the people who are like the helper friend or the emotional support friend or the strong one. Um, you build up this wall that um, keeps you safe. You know, you become hyper vigilant. You really learn to take good care of yourself. You learn to handle crises on your own. But we all need help from time to time. We all need support from time to time. Even if that is, I just need someone to sit with me or I need someone to listen to me vent a little bit. And if you never allow yourself to find that or have that, then you end up breaking down more often than you need to. And you, again, sort of allow yourself to engage with people who take advantage of that who and then when you do really need them there's no one to be found um so in these real love type of relationships there's space for all that there's space to be multifaceted um and that is so huge like a lot of um of my relationships in the past have been almost contingent on my ability to be a perfect sidekick um, like someone who does all the feeling for everyone, um, does all the communicating for everyone. And just like I said earlier, bends over backwards to prove my worthiness of love. And what happens is that's exhausting. First of all, it's inauthentic also because, um, I'm my own person with my own needs and feelings and, uh, you know, I'm also autistic. So like there's a lot of extra babying that I need in my life that I have to give myself. So it sort of requires a lot of patience in relationships, a lot of distance in relationships. You know, I require some special care. I'm a little bit like a succulent, I guess. Like I thrive when I'm being left alone. Um, and that's tricky for some people. But I have found or rediscovered or re... What's the word? I have decided to nurture the relationships that allow me this space because then no one gets hurt um, because everyone understands. And there's never any misunderstanding or miscommunication when the issue that someone is having is with something I am inherently, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I love a lot of people with mental illnesses. Um, and we all have our own sort of special instructions if we're going with the plant metaphor. And I feel like to love someone with a mental illness is you should research it. You should know about it. You should pay attention to their patterns. You should um, ask them how they need to be loved and supported. And like that's sort of part of the package, you know, to just pretend that the that we're not all uh, these unique individuals with like unique requirements to be happy. Um, that is just a recipe for... I don't know, ableism at worst and conflict, unnecessary conflict in relationships at best and can sometimes come off a little mean, you know, to be like, I need you to be different than you are. That's 
sort of the antithesis of unconditional love, right? I need you to change for me to love you. I don't know if that's like a very kind thing to say to someone. Um, So through all of these, you know, nuanced and deep and sometimes challenging relationships has grown this compassion and this patience and this independence because when when you're not loving people based on how they show up for you you have to learn to show up for yourself you have to learn to not take it personally when other people can't and this is all stuff that literally all of the relationships I have in my life they're all like this now and they used to in my former life be the opposite you know like I didn't have anything like this before or even if I did I didn't always gravitate towards it and now this is true in these old relationships you know um that are experiencing uh, a transformation a like a, a deepening of closeness and intimacy and trust oh trust is such a big one I was saying earlier that when you have trauma it's hard to trust yourself because everything you've been taught is cloaked in this veil this I'm going to do an episode on this soon this veil of distortion everything is scary and uh threatening and like I don't know you're in constant fight flight or fawn mode where you're either like taking care of someone who's hurting you or you're running away and shutting down and becoming avoidant or um you're just you know maybe being a little bit toxic yourself there's like many responses we can have to this sort of thing but once the veil lifts once you realize that better is available because that's a big thing, right? Like love isn't available to me. Money isn't available to me. Happiness isn't available to me. Success isn't available to me. I'm unworthy. What makes me think I could have that? Um, it's not even real. <laughs> but then once you start seeing, oh, wait, like the way that I see the world is maybe not correct or maybe that I even have it within my power to transform my reality and that doesn't even only mean like mystically cosmically magically it means I can make better choices for myself right now in this moment um and once you see that and you start taking action from that space instead of a scared space or the hurt space once you start opening um the light just comes in and pours out and is around in all directions and I guess that's like the point of this episode um to give those of you hope those of you who are still in that cocoon phase of but I've let all the bad stuff go or I'm still letting all the bad stuff go and none of the good stuff has come in yet It's like you are the seed of the good stuff. You right now, like holding yourself in bed crying because you're so lonely, it feels physical, you know, (laughs) or you who is still debating whether or not to let go of that person who's hurt you more times than you can count, or you who just left a 
big relationship because it wasn't making you happy anymore. You know, I know I've talked about this before, but sometimes leaving something because I'm not happy anymore feels like the worst thing. Like that feels so cruel and selfish and like, oh, hard, you know, but sometimes that is exactly what we need to do. And that's not a villainous choice, you know, that's not... I don't know. It could be considered breaking a promise, I guess. But the reality is most things don't last forever. Like the sort of karmic contracts we have with people might only be five years long, might only be three weeks long, might be 20 years long and then it ends, you know. Um, It's about being okay with that whole process and trying to always act in love even when things are ending. But I just want to be a little beacon of hope in those hard moments that the other side of this is more beautiful than you could possibly imagine. Um, It just requires a little patience, a little faith, and a willingness to see things for what they are, and then to respond in the most loving way possible from that point. Um, Because like I said, there's lots of layers of testing. And each time you kind of feel like, wow, this is the best I've ever had. And um, I always say just because something is the best you've ever had doesn't mean it's the best you'll ever get. Um, But we get in those moments and then we're like, this is it. And then you don't want to be wrong or you don't want to hurt someone, or you don't want to be hurt, or whatever. So we want to cling, you know, and we want to, we want to force it. And this is just part of the process, you know. But then inevitably, you get to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to choose myself. You choose yourself because you're not scared of being alone anymore. And then you kind of mm, upgrade or... I like to think of these like endings and beginnings as paradigm shifts or timeline shifts because each time I change and I allow myself to change and then it's like your vibration changes like you were on a a lower level you know like a little less self-loving level a little more rigid of a level or whatever it might be and then you experience one of these little deaths where you're like oh wait I've been doing things wrong I'm ready to do them a different way now and then you rise and then everything that was on that level falls away So then you're on this level and you stay here for a while and then you learn and heal and grow some more and then you rise again and then everything has to fall away. But there's always little, little bits or pieces or people that, that come with you, you know, or might go away for a bit and then they come back. And that feels like what home is supposed to be. Having those, you know, those those friends that you might not talk to for six months and then you talk again and it's like no time went by and there's no awkwardness and there's no bad feelings at all. There's just that I just took a shot of espresso feeling that you get when you've connected with someone who is soul family to you, you know, someone who's a soulmate who is in harmony with your frequency. You feel electrified. You feel energetic. You feel like anything's possible. You feel inspired. You feel like 
loved all the way through. You know, it's those people who just get you. Um, those situations where laughter is like the easiest thing in the world, you know, where everything is funny, where you have all those inside jokes or just joy. Um, they're the people who see where you're going. They see what you're working towards. They see everything that you want to be and everything that you already are, you know, and it's worth it. Like a thousand percent. All those moments where I wanted to give up or where I was like, you know, I want to wall up my heart. Like I never want to feel again because I cannot stand to be hurt like this again. Like every ounce of hurt, every struggle, every failure, every bit of testing the universe put me through. Like every single bit of it was worth it because now everywhere I go, I'm celebrated. Everywhere I go, I'm encouraged. Everywhere I go, I'm understood and seen and felt and like just allowed to be whatever it is I am and after growing up in a household where everything that was innately me seemed to be wrong you know was a reason to be punished or ostracized or um you know abused this feels like Ugh, like better, better than I ever knew was available to me. And to me, this is like miracle energy. You know, when, when life gets so much better than you ever thought possible, like that's a miracle. <laughs> that is the universe surprising you. And I would hear from, you know, guides and teachers or in meditation when I was going through those moments, it would be like, just keep going, like, just hold on. Like, you don't know, you don't know what's coming or when I'd be stuck on some fucking asshole or whatever, it'd be like, no, you'll see, you'll see, it'll be worth it. And I would always be like, bull fucking shit. There's no way. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Like, I don't even know why I have faith. What kind of stupid dum-dum am I to be trusting in this? You know, just like I know how it is because I've been in those moments and um, they were right. This is better. Uh, you just have to, you just have to navigate those waters. It reminds me of the tarot card, the six of swords, which is, um, it's a, it's a guy rowing a boat and there's six st swords stuck in the boat and then there's what appear to be a mother and a child sitting on the front of the boat and they're kind of bundled up and swords are about mental pain um and the the paradox of this card is that if you were to remove the swords from the boat it would sink and they wouldn't get into their they wouldn't get to their destination safely so they just have to sit quietly bundled up and stay safe but carry this pain with them to the other side of this river which is symbolically the river sticks this is like going from a death to a rebirth and that's how it is you have to feel to heal you have to be honest with yourself about these wounds you're carrying you have to take you know I don't like have to but you should no I don't like should either you mm, a, a good course of action is when you're in these painful moments these challenging relationship moments um to always 
look in the mirror, to always use it as an opportunity to see like what's going on with me, what's hurting me here, like what's freaking me out about this and where does it come from? And as you chase those wounds back to their roots, they lose their power. And then when you're dealing with people, you end up dealing with only what's happening in the moment and not all of the other stuff that you've been carrying with you. You can sort of one by one as you get on on dry land, remove those swords one at a time out of that boat. And then you can put them down for good. Um, and this is that this is that moment of the paradigm shift. This is where you feel yourself walking into a new reality or a new way of being where trust is easier. You learn to trust yourself because as you remove these wounds, all of those false perceptions of yourself and your worthiness in the world that you have just kind of evaporate. And then you're left with how you actually feel. Um, you, you become braver. You become more willing to express yourself clearly and... Um, accurately, you know, when someone hurts your feelings, you instead of stewing on it for months at a time, you can go to them and say, hey, this is bothering me. And all of that just makes navigation of the complicated world of relationships uh, in reference to personal growth, they make it a lot easier and a lot less scary and a lot less treacherous. Because like I said, once you're not afraid to be alone, you're not afraid to put down what isn't coming with you and you know I love this image of the hot air balloon each time you cut one of those sandbags off you rise a little more weightless a little more light and I don't know I don't think there's a destination you know I don't think there's an ending I don't think there's a done and I think to those of us who are a little achievement driven, that kind of sucks to hear because you're like, but I want to get my A at the end. But there is better. It's just constantly better, sweeter, brighter, gentler, more fun, more loving, and more me. So as you go into this week, um, I would love for you to pay attention. Um, pay attention to your relationships. Pay attention to how your body responds to certain people. Like I said, when you're around someone where the foundation of the relationship is real love, you feel alive. You feel confident. You feel um, creatively inspired and passionate. And they just make you... They just make you feel like you already are the best version of yourself because that's true. <laughs> um, and when you're around someone and you leave their presence and they make you feel tired or sad or self-doubting or um, like you're hard to love, you know, pay attention to that. It doesn't mean that you have to act on it. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to uproot your whole life or change everything about the relationship. It's just a practice in paying attention. Um, you know, Dr. Maya Angelou 
always said when someone tells you who they are, believe them, or when someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's just about that. It's just about paying attention and practicing because I really do think it's kind of a meditation. It's kind of a a choice or a commitment, what we gravitate towards. You know, the universe is always presenting us with options and with forks in the road. And how we respond is how they respond. Um, and when you really start choosing yourself, a whole new world opens up. And even though it can feel uncomfortable, and even though it does bring on a little bit of rejection, um, it's not that bad. So just get in the habit of gravitating towards what feels good a little bit at a time. It can be what you eat. It can be how much you sleep. It can be the activities you participate in or the way you talk to yourself, you know, even your own thoughts. Pay attention to the ones that make you feel good and to the ones that are mean. And then just practice gravitating more towards the ones that feel good. It's no more complicated than that. Um, I would love it if you would reach out, if you start finding things working for you or you start figuring out what what feels good to you, what feels like real love to you. Um, I would love to hear about it. You can follow me on Instagram at Brit underscore that's underscore it or on Twitter, which is the same thing, but with an extra underscore at the end. Or you can email me at walkonmychild at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Happy healing. Beware of anyone who tries to stop you.